Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, Jalen. It's good to hang out and see you. I know uh, we were just hanging out together in Chicago, socially distant, hanging out last week, but it's good to be recording again with you. How has your week been since I left? I know you probably miss me. Yes, we do. We, we miss you a lot. The kids had a lot of fun. You were our mystery reader. So our kids are doing homeschooling right now. And so we have a mystery reader every Friday, uh, usually through Zoom. But since you were back in Chicago, we sat outside in the yard. The weather was perfect. And you read a book and they loved it. So thank you for doing that. But yeah, so our third oldest turned six this week. So we had a nice party for him. Some of his cousins came over. He played outside and he loves basketball. So we played basketball. So that was fun. And uh, it was just good to see other people and to enjoy some weather outside. As you know, in Chicago, like fall is very short before it gets like bitterly cold. And so it was just good to be outside and hang out. And so I'm glad we got to do that. Uh, how about for you? How's your week been? How's it been back in San Jose? The trip back to Chicago was fantastic. I think I ate at every restaurant that I wanted to eat at. I realized that a lot of my classic Chicago favorite foods, the places are named after people. And so I just realized that's the way to go. If it's named after a dude, then you're probably in the right place. So that was really good. Getting back here, it's just a lot hotter. Weather is very different. So I feel like I had to readjust to the heat after a couple of cool days in Chicago, but it was good. Random story, as I was going through Midway Airport and you know, I had to put my backpack through uh, the x-ray machine, through security, and the TSA agent was like, hey, are you on a podcast or do you do a podcast? I was like, uh, yeah, how, how did you know that? So apparently she saw my giganto microphone in my backpack and put two and two together and so she actually asked what the podcast was for. So we might've gotten a new listener at Midway Airport. I'm excited for our guest today because we have our first female guest to the podcast. Jessica Ng Lam is the youth ministry coordinator at Queens Herald Church in New York. And so Jessica, welcome to the podcast. We're really glad that you're joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. As we start, would you uh, briefly share your ministry journey, your, your ministry calling with us? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in this church that I'm currently serving at and I started going there around when I was 10 and I was the super shy, super quiet kid. No one knew I existed. And I guess one day when I was uh, learning guitar and I enjoy singing, I was singing in church for fun. And then people were like, who's that voice? Where did that come from? And who's this girl? And that's when I guess people like started to take interest or even notice of my existence. <laughs> Got me plugged in to worship team and the youth group. And as I was on student leadership in high school, I definitely felt God's calling for me to build people up within the church. And when this idea came into my head, I thought there's there must be something wrong with that because I had this definition of what missional living is supposed to look like. And it's supposed to be going out, having a secular job. Therefore, you can meet other people who don't know Jesus. There's a higher chance in, uh, in networking with others. And so I was like, this thought is not true. This can't be it. 
And so I just brushed it off. Um, but I still had a desire to volunteer in the church in youth ministry. And so I did that um, during my college years. And it was specifically for junior high students. I don't know why, when they are the most rowdy, they have the most energy compared to high schoolers. And then eventually our church had junior high and high school merged together to be one whole youth group. And then I graduated college and I started working. And a few years into working, this thought came back into my mind. The position for youth ministry worker uh, opened up at my home church. And I'm like, okay, is this supposed to be something? I have no idea. And I'm still serving as a volunteer in this time. And then the invitation was extended to me um, to consider it. And so as I was praying through it, that memory that I had in high school of serving in the church came back and God brought a lot of clarity to that in that pastors are also needed to disciple and to build up Christ followers. And I'm like, okay, this makes so much more sense. And I just went for it. I remember I was very scared in making my decision because it would impact the people around me. But I was like super excited overall because I knew that this was something I was really comfortable with, really passionate about. And so now I've been serving for two years in full-time ministry. That's really awesome. When you first felt called to ministry, you said you were working. Were you attending uh, your home church through college and even when you started working? Yes, I was attending there during college. I went to college in Manhattan and I had the option to definitely check out other churches and college campus ministries and I couldn't find one that fit. And so I kind of just stuck with my home church even as I was working because that's also where all the people I grew up with who are my closest friends. So it's where I was comfortable with. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think that a lot of times people, especially when they get to college and then when they graduate and start working, there is that opportunity to maybe try out different churches or to check out different churches. And I think that's really important for us as churches to build into our youth a, a desire to stay in their home church and to serve their home church. And so I think that's such a great testimony. Your, your story is such a great testimony of someone who did that and a church that obviously did well to stay in contact with you and then to reach out to you when they saw that they had a need and that you had gifts to, to serve in that way. Yeah, that's for sure. What Jalen's not saying is that both of us did not go back to the church we grew up at to serve once we started in ministry. Though to be fair, I think both of us experienced very strong calls to the places where God led us. And we know that for some, God calls them to return and for others to go somewhere else. But what have been some of the, I guess, joys or challenges that you've had serving in this church that you grew up in? There's definitely pros in that I understand the culture, but as I've grown older and gained more discernment, I also see the challenges and all that goes behind everything that ministry involves. I think being a just a regular attendee back then and not on staff, that perspective is very different. Um, you volunteer, you would do it all on your off hours. And I remember just being a regular member and yeah, again, volunteering in the youth ministry I would spend almost every hour planning worship sets, planning retreats, um, investing my time into the youth on my off hours and be so exhausted. <laughs> Even now being in full-time ministry, I'm, I'm still more or less doing that, but this is what I get to do full-time. And that's awesome and a blessing to be able to just pour in into these students. And the challenge again, like knowing the culture I can see the flaws in it as well. And I'm glad I'm able to be in a position to be 
able to make a difference, change culture. Easier said than done, that's for sure. But definitely the desire and drive is there. Yeah, like you said, I think it is a big thing to be able to know the culture because I think that's, you know, within the first few months or even few years for somebody who's stepping into ministry, there is that need to know the culture, to learn the lay of the land and to get a handle on what God is already doing in that church and to join him and to join the church and what he's doing. What were some of the mistakes or maybe the missteps that you experienced in your faith as a student that you try to avoid now, especially because you were in the position, you know, in that church even that the students that you're working with now are? One thing was that I had really great mentors and I'm grateful, um, but I guess part of the culture was this feeling of, of shame naturally of hiding things from your mentors, from your leaders. And I'm grateful that my mentors kept pursuing me and creating that space. But one of the topics that was super taboo was dating. Dating in youth ministry was a big thing. And back then, people started reading this book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And so that was something that people started right before I started getting involved. And that was the culture. Yet after reading that book, people were like, oh, I'm going to start dating now. I was like, (laughs) a rebellious thing that I'm going to do. And therefore, it led to any relationship or interest or crush it would be something that you hide from your mentors. And that really affected, I think, um, my faith journey and seeing um, the people I grew up with. Because I think that's a really essential part of our, our life and our development as a team back then. And understanding what is God's purpose for relationships and courtships and what that looks like. And so I think for myself, what I enjoy doing actually is talking about dating very openly with my students. Um, especially the females, and they're very vocal about it, (laughs) which I'm super grateful for, and being able to walk with them in their journey of figuring out who's a guy that I would like, uh, what are qualities that they could look for that would spur them on to be women of faith, Um, because I think often our faith um, is sacrificed when it comes to dating, especially during your teenage years. Where is God in these circumstances? And so, yeah, I'm thankful that my youth, I guess, don't have as much drama as when I was a teen. There was so much drama. But yeah, I'm grateful that they're also open to talking with me, whether they're single or whether they're thinking about a relationship or currently in one. Yeah, when I was a youth pastor, we had some students who who dated and such. And I feel like there were a few who really made it an effort to bring the relationship into the light, whether it was with their peers, with their parents, with the youth counselors, with me. And I feel like those relationships, though they were few in number, were the ones where they were healthy during their time as students, whether they worked out or not. And so I think that that's really important that you're you're passing that on and, and leading your students in that you kind of shared one of the things that that you did differently, right? Because you didn't want to repeat uh, a mistake or a culture from the past. But what were some of the things from when you were a student that you're like, this gave me so much life and now I want to pass that on to my my own students? I think definitely the great sense of community and how much power there is through friendships, brotherhood, sisterhood. And that definitely showed me that I was someone who is seen, someone who is known, someone who is loved and cared for and accountable for. And I could do the same with others. And it's one of my strong suits being uh, I am a helper, naturally, my personality. And so being able to express that and develop that skill um, was awesome. 
uh, looking at the generation now, community is what they are looking for. Belonging is what they're looking for. But it's not in the church anymore. It's all on their phones, it's all on electronics. And back then, I remember we had limited internet service or data or even limited texting. And we would save that and we'd be like, okay, I have limited texting. I have 200 sending and receiving. So don't text me or I'm going to send you a really long one. Save it till I get home. And then we can go on AIM and continue our conversation. And there was that follow through, there was that commitment, and I had amazing conversations there. Nowadays, communication is not used in the same way, in the same advantage that would build friendships. There is an idea, there's a longing, there's a wanting, but there's a lack of commitment and follow through. For those of you listening, AIM is AOL Instant Messenger. And if you don't know what that is, you're missing out. Yep. Yeah, I, I do think that something that we've talked about a few times now in our podcast is that one of the things that the Chinese church does excel in, for the most part, is community, is being able to build that sense of family-like atmosphere. And I think that sometimes, you know, for you working with youth, that can be really difficult to translate that uh, from the adult ministry to the youth ministry. How do you feel like your church has empowered youth or included youth to be active participants in the life of the church? I'm definitely grateful for all the parents and families who choose to serve as a family. That it's not just, okay, the adults are going to go serve lunch or do like an outreach event and the kids can run around church and do whatever kids do. But it's an effort that they do and the kids can see what their parents do, why they choose to do it and they get to mimic and follow it. And it's been awesome to see a group of girls who are close as friends and sisterhood, that if one signs up, the rest of them will do so as well. Uh, Whether it's for outreach or even a game night, they will all show up together. And I'm grateful to see how that they don't see that this is an adult activity, but this is something that we are doing as a church and I want to participate in it. And I'm grateful that the church is, or at least my kids are able to see that even though there's adults present, that the adults are people that they can learn from. And so it's bridging the gap between different generations and even the different congregations because the parents are also in the Cantonese or in the Mandarin congregation for our church versus the kids are from the English. And so bridging that gap and even the kids to represent the English congregation is so powerful. Is it a struggle to manage just the different expectations from parents when they come from very different backgrounds? Like I'm, I'm guessing that there are some from Hong Kong, others from mainland China or Taiwan, uh, or even, you know, their second generation parents already. Has that been a struggle to navigate those? It definitely was a struggle in the beginning when I first entered from being a volunteer member of the congregation to being a into full-time leadership position, figuring out what was the vision that I had for the youth ministry and being able to communicate it. I think communication was difficult. I am ABC, American-born Chinese. I'm able to speak Cantonese, thankfully, and my Mandarin's getting better, but the language barrier was a huge part of it that was challenging. And like you said, um, people from Hong Kong versus people from Taiwan versus people from China, I didn't realize how different that was in dynamics. But in the end, we all wanted the same thing, which is for this group of kids, this group of teens to know Jesus and have a personal relationship. 
And so uh, being able to just share with them my heart for that was easy. How do I bridge the gap between myself and parents? I think it's also another challenge. I guess one thing that's not spoken about often is even though we are so-called in youth ministry, it's a family thing. It's a family ministry, and we are here to equip parents, not just babysit the kids. And we can pass on as much knowledge to the kids and can only do so much, and the kids will only grow so much. Yeah, I mean, that was the original blueprint that God laid out for his people, right? That families, parents would pass faith on from one generation to the next. So it's absolutely vital that they're a part of that, but sometimes they need help. And that's where youth ministries come on board. We wanted to change gears and just ask you about your experience serving in full-time ministry as a woman. Generally in the Chinese church, this is less common. And so what what has been your experience in that? I think being a woman in ministry is difficult. It's, it can be lonely. I'm someone who's currently not a licensed um, alliance worker, nor do I have a degree yet in terms of school and seminary. And that was another thing that I strive for in a place where it's predominantly male. How do I stand out? How do I prove myself is what I kept questioning. And the original part of why I was trying to pursue like a seminary degree of some sort. And I'm glad that God's changed that perspective for me and why I choose to study and take classes. But being a woman in ministry, I remember going to a conference uh, last year and Uh, we broke out into small groups and all the women were sitting together as one table while there's multiple tables for men and most of them are pastors. I sit at the women's table and I realize I'm the only one who's in full-time ministry. All the other women are pastor's wives, but pastor's wives also do a lot. They serve a lot in the church and there's a persona that you're supposed to have as a woman in ministry uh, or just serving in general, specifically a pastor's wife. But for me, I'm I'm not quote unquote the pastor, but I play that role. And so how do I find my authority and my leadership? And another part is where can I find support of other women who are in ministry, who may feel the same way? And how do I build friendships? I know that having connections and friends in ministry is so helpful because we understand each other and the frustrations and the challenges, but also the joy in what we do. But it's difficult or there's a line in some sense of boundary of how deep that friendship could go in terms of a woman versus a male. Yet again, in churches, it's predominantly male. Yeah, I think that's so important for for any ministry worker to have that support system. How have you seen your church support you in in your ministry journey? To be honest, I sometimes don't know what is the support that I need. I have the people present, and I'm grateful for the team that I have, the team of volunteers, but also my senior pastor who is supportive in the direction that I choose to lead and the decisions that I make. But in other ways, I'm not sure what is support that I need or even for a mentor. Is a mentor supposed to be from your church or outside of that? That's something I've been questioning and exploring. But overall, I would say that the church has been supportive in the direction I'm taking with the youth. 
Yeah, I appreciate that your lead pastor, who is a distant relative of mine, is just very supportive of you serving. And I think from what I've heard has really empowered you to to lead. Can you talk a little bit more about just the role that mentors have played? You mentioned that when you were younger, you had ministry mentors, and then now you're trying to figure out, are they supposed to come from the church? Have you found mentorship from other people, whether it's from other women or even other men in ministry that you say, I look at this person regardless of who they are and they're pouring into me and I'm learning from them? Yes. So the mentor that I had when I was a youth, she has now just grown to be an older sister and a friend whom I still talk to, probably not as formal Um, But definitely someone I still talk to about life changes and things about marriage since I'm recently married. And I had an awesome youth pastor when I was in high school and also still staying in touch. And he is now my mentor, which I'm really grateful in uh, being able to use my past and how we've worked together to understand why he led the way that he did. What are things that I learned from those experiences And how do I translate it to the current generation to understand all that family encompasses, all that following Jesus and what that looks like for a teen who is feeling pressures from everywhere, their parents and from themselves to study well, work hard in school while also following Jesus. You know, just as you're sharing about how you had this really impactful mentor when you were a student and has now become a friend. How are you seeing that play out for your own students, especially your female students that you are trying yourself to mentor, to set up mentoring for them? Being a woman in my specific fellowship has been a blessing because the ratio of females to males is two to one. Yet I have more male volunteers and I am the only female. Recently, by God's grace, one woman in the English congregation has chose to join us for youth ministry. And it's awesome. Um, But again, I have about 20 to 30 uh, girls and about 10 guys, but I have like three male counselors for these 10 guys. And I just myself for these 20 to 30 girls. And I like to think that they know how much I I love them and and care for them and uh, really invest my time in each and every one of them. Though the number is large, and even for those who have graduated, I definitely do try my best to stay in touch with them, keep up with them, even as they're in transitioning. And yeah, I I definitely hope that I could continue to see them to grow and that they would reach out to me and what that looks like as other seasons change for them and that they would continue to follow Jesus. Yeah, Jessica, what are some ways that pastors can support women in ministry? How can we continue to be empowering or even mentors, as you mentioned? What are some ways that that male pastors can do that for some of the women in ministry? I think giving us a space to voice out, to even share our hearts with others, um, whether it's a small setting or on a Sunday morning, being able to have that platform to be able to do so and teach us how to preach. One thing I'm grateful for is that I'm able to serve right now in full-time ministry without a degree. I feel like in ministry, there's this pedestal or there's this resume that you need to have in some sense. And usually your degree is is the first thing that they look at to know that, okay, you're uh, biblically sound because you have this title. And so I'm grateful to be able to still do what I do without that degree. 
And so having pastors to give us that space as women to continue to serve in whatever capacity and direction that, that God calls us to is awesome. I think the church has always struggled with learning how to equip people. We're good at giving responsibilities and I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of that in some way, shape or form. And we could all do better in what does equipping um, people look like. As we wrap up, we just wanted to ask this last question. What is one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that is serving in the Chinese church? Maybe in particular to, to a young woman who is thinking about going into full-time ministry. What would you say to them? One thing that I've definitely held on to is sticking with my vision. That no matter what anyone says or even if people give pushback, which is pretty often, um, stick with the vision and direction that God has given you and just run with it, even if there's no specific details or, or plans logistically that God will reveal it in time. Yeah, thanks. I think it's so important to be clear on what God has called us to and that vision that he has given us and to be faithful to that. So thank you for that reminder and for that, for that challenge for us. Well, it's been so great having you on the podcast. Thank you, Jessica, for taking time and for joining us today. Uh, we're really grateful for your ministry and for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Jessica. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.